25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Sega na, 
יום שבו שונאי משכוח, זכרו קרח הניחוח, יונה מצבו מנוח, ושם ינוחו יגיע כוח. יונה, יונה מצה, יונה מצבו מנוח, ושם ינוחו ינוחו.
In the AM, Friday morning broadcast on this July the 26th. Happy birthday to those who are celebrating birthdays on July 26th. Day number 23 in the month of Tammuz, the year 5779. Tuf Shanayin Tess. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. Outside of uh, Israel, in Israel, it is uh, Parshas Matos. And the candle lighting here in the New York area, 757. 757 candle lighting here in the New York area. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be on Friday of next week, one week from today. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be on Friday. What you've been hearing uh, from Yassi Rosenberg, Yom Shlishi Medley. Aishas Chayel done by Yehuda, 613 with Lachad Odi. Kol Zimra had Menucha Vesimcha Mimkomcha from Ofinat. Kol Zimra had Yom Shabbosom. Jordan and Adam had Ure Vanim. Bitachon with Ki Eshmera. Eighth day with Aye Makom. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday with 72 degrees, 73% humidity. Winds in northeast at two miles per hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 88. Then tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 71. Shabbos, mostly sunny, a high temperature, 85 degrees. Yerushalayim right now at 86. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missora, they're at 57. We're at 72 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, I wonder what the weather's going to be like on Sunday in Parksville, New York. Don't forget, Hask Experience Day is this coming Sunday. We are looking forward to it. Hope to greet everybody starting at 10 a.m. up at Camp Hask in uh, Parksville, New York. Uh, we'll be there broadcasting from 10 until 1, a show that will air on Monday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. So keep that in mind. That should be a lot of fun, recording Monday's JM in the AM from up at the Hask Experience. And the Hask Experience is open to all. Feel free to uh, come by, check out what's happening at Camp Hask, meet the uh, the campers, their parents, those who are there. Staff members, upper staff, some of the great Jewish music celebrities who are going to be there on Sunday, including Lipa and Simcha Liner and Matt Dubb. Should be a really, really wonderful uh, day on Sunday. Last year's experience day was 
phenomenal, really phenomenal. All right, so there you have it. See it Hask on Sunday. That's the show you'll hear Monday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. right here at JM in the AM. Um, Malcolm Holine will join us, 7.40 Eastern time for the weekly update. We'll check out some of the news of the week. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at 8.15 on Parsha's Pinchas, which we read in the diaspora. And we'll wrap things up at 9 o'clock this morning here at JMNAM. Full Friday schedule, full Saturday night and Sunday schedule. Uh, Sunday, we will be up at Hask to record Monday's JM in the AM. I hope you'll be up there and to join with us. Come by, say hello, et cetera, et cetera. It's always a great time when people uh, convene up at Camp Hask in Parksville, New York. Lave Tahar is next. You're listening to a Friday morning Arab Shabbos on JM in the AM. <laughs>
Barry Weber wrapping up the hour with what he calls Anabakoach on that album here at JM in the AM. Before that, Leif Tahar with Shabbos in Gilo here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard 
on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and Alchemist Eagle, I come on the Alchemist Eagle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal is your Army Radio News Network. Time can go to Cohen, Imash Korea Shav. Tzir Kevenesrim, Nidkar, Befel Gufo Haelion, Birchov Yechayam, Betil Aviv. Katavenu Linyanei Briut, Meir Marciano. מציין כי הוא פונה במצב אנוש לבית החולים איכילוב בעיר. הרקע לא ברור והפרטים בבדיקה. החשד לאונס קבוצתי בקפריסין. תוצאות בדיקת ה-DNA מפריחות את גרסת אחד החשודים, לפיה לא קיים יחסי מין עם המתלוננת. כתבת חדשות החוץ, נועה מועלם, מוסרת שבבדיקה שערכה משטרת קפריסין, נמצא DNA של אחד החשודים שהכחיש שקיים יחסי מין. עוד נמצאו בזירה שלושה ממצאי DNA אחרים, שאינם שייכים ככל הנראה לחשודים. הבוקר החליט בית המשפט בקפריסין להאריך בשישה ימים את מעצר החשודים ולא בשמונה כפי שביקשה המשטרה. אתמול שוחררו חמישה מתוך 12 העצורים בפרשה. יושב ראש מפלגת ישראל ביתנו חבר הכנסת אביגדור ליברמן אומר הבוקר לא ניתן יד לממשלה צרה. בחשבון הפייסבוק שלו כתב שר הביטחון לשעבר יצא המרצע מהשק נתניהו באמצעות הביביטון מצהיר הבוקר בכותרתו הראשית שלא יקים ממשלת אחדות. בהנחה שממשלה צרה בראשות נתניהו תוקם רק בתמיכה של כאלה שמובילים למדינת הלכה ב-17 בספטמבר כל אזרח במדינת ישראל יצטרך לשאול את עצמו שאלה אחת בלבד, באיזו מדינה אנחנו רוצים לחיות? ממשלה צרה זאת צרה גדולה, ואנחנו לא ניתן לכך יד, דברי ליברמן. בית המשפט העריך בארבעה ימים את מעצרו של תושב רחובות בן השלושים וארבעה, החשוד בדקירת ילד בן שש בגן משחקים בעיר. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת שהילד פונה אתמול לקבלת טיפול רפואי בבית החולים קפלן, כשמצבו... קל עד בינוני. מזג האוויר היום תורגש הקלה בעומס החום, בשבת ירידה נוספת, ולסיום חמישה דולפינים מסוג רמפוס אפור נצפו אתמול כ-20 קילומטרים מול חופי חיפה ובעומק של כאלף מטרים. הגרמפוס האפור מגיע לכ-4 מטרים ונחשב לגדול מבין מנדי הדולפינים. התצפית נחשבת לנדירה, היות שהדולפינים עולים מעל פני הים כדי לנשום. רק לפרק זמן קצר מאוד. אלה החדשות.
asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I step off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. Then two more I went into a shop that read closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man I saw. 
Shabbos Minyan Math, please. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos Minyan
no more Many broken hearted friends lost and departed Please, no more Now the time has come Everyone must stand together And be strong forevermore Young Memphis children
I don't know how I share my love You tear him, call you tear, Nira We ain't not so bad, so cold As I'm a lashemonicra I don't know how I share my love You tear him, call you tear, Nira We ain't not so bad, so cold As I'm a lashemonicra Share my love, but tell him call you tear, Nibra. 
J.M. and the A.M. I was just thinking it's hard to believe that literally a week ago we were uh, we were heading down to the, um, well, a week ago on on what would be, you know, if we would it be on Eastern time. We were literally heading down to uh, go to the airport and wrap up an amazing four days of broadcasting from Israel. And here we are a week later, wrapping up week number one of our three weeks format here at J.M. and the A.M. Time does fly. That is for sure. You heard Cole Zimmer with the He Shalom Adonalom Damai Kolish. Schlock Rock's Dust in the Wind. Cry No More from AKA Pella. Via Hafta was Ari Goldwag. Schlock Rock had Minion Man and Misha Anna was Ari Goldwag. Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. Parshas Matos in Israel. Candle lighting at 757 in New York. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Friday. Friday, one week from today, is Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av as we get set for the uh, for the nine days, which begin on Thursday night. 72 degrees, sunny in New York with a high of 88, partly cloudy tonight, low 71, and tomorrow mostly sunny, a high 85 degrees. Don't forget, we're up in uh, Camp Hask on Sunday. I hope you'll be there for Hask Experience Day for all the action. And all the fun. Hask Experience Day begins at 10 a.m. on the campus of Camp Hask in Parksville, New York. That recording, that broadcast that we do Sunday, 
will be the JM and the AM for Monday morning. So when you tune in between 6 and 9 a.m. Monday, that is our broadcast from uh, Camp Hask that will have taken place on Sunday during Hask Experience Day. Malcolm Holine, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins me next at JM in the AM. A little bit of history I've been through Ask me where I'm from And I will tell you I'm a Jew and every Jew's a proud Jew Not just me My sisters and my brothers Never be ashamed to be a proud Jew It's not what you've done It's how we made you So sing the song and spread the pride around you Yehudiyani Eternally I'm a Jew and I'm proud and I'll sing it out loud Cause forever and ever that's what I'll be I'm a Jew and I'm proud and without a doubt Hashem is always watching over me Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Tzvi Silberstein with Yedid Nefesh. 
Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. Candle lighting at 7.57 in New York. Rosh Chodesh one week from today everywhere. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, a one-day Rosh Chodesh Friday of next week. That's right. As we broadcast, we will be celebrating Rosh Chodesh. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out and... Uh, be inspired and and, uh, learn from uh, thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos, then go ahead and do so. All you got to do is go to jewishworldreview.com, jewishworldreview.com, and check out all they have to offer uh, regarding uh, news and opinion, again, regarding Israel and the Jewish world, and frankly, um, a whole bunch of uh, other important aspects of, uh, of life as well. All there at uh, jewishworldview.com. JM the with a reminder, uh, we're up at Camp Hask on Sunday. Hask Experience Day in camp in Parksville is Sunday starting at 10 a.m. We'll be there. We're going to broadcast between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And that show will be our Monday morning JM and the AMs. When you tune in this coming Monday, that's what you will hear. You will hear our visit to Camp Hask from this coming Sunday, and we're told the weather's supposed to be great, and we're looking forward to an amazing day, as I'm sure every visitor to Hask is for this coming Sunday. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings, 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Well, good morning, Malcolm, and welcome back. Thank you very much. It's a very successful trip. I appreciate that. We took the, uh, I'm not I'm not suggesting this to everybody, but we did take the Friday morning flight back, and Baruch Hashem, it landed early. So we had an opportunity to uh, to get home even earlier. I don't know, um, I don't know what the rabbis would say. Everyone should check with their individual rabbi about traveling that close to Shabbos. But, you know, Mr. Honeline, these days, air travel is relatively reliable, wouldn't you say? Uh, not on Fridays. <laughs> 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 I certainly understand that and maybe might even concur at this point. I know, and, and you've emphasized, and for good reason and rightfully so, you've emphasized how local issues are, are not what you um, uh, concentrate on during the week and certainly um, have a limited role in what we discuss on Fridays. But I, I just feel I need your endorsement to remind uh, leaders of all types, religious leaders, political leaders, organizational leaders of all types, uh, that, that we, we should react um, um, appropriately uh, to the disgusting, disgraceful, and violent attacks against the New York City Police Department officers. And I'm sure you agree and encourage all rabbis and all community leaders to use opportunities to express our solidarity with the New York City Police Department. I couldn't agree more. You know, when they do things that are wrong and people are critical, it's legitimate. And if there are differences, but to have, when you have the breakdown of the system and when those who are uh, empowered to, to enforce the law, they don't make the laws, but they enforce them. And for them to be degraded in, in this way and there not to be an outcry, I think is, is undermines very elements of society. And it's um, it's really outrageous, and I think the the onus falls on the community leaders of the, those involved, and the police have a responsibility to arrest those who perpetrated it. Yeah, hundred percent. The outcry is really that's exactly what I'm looking for, and I hope that 
uh, leaders in our community participate in what needs to be an outcry after all those outrageous incidents. Uh, while we're on the subject of, of local for a moment, uh, is there a memory or two you could share with us about Robert Morgenthau? I can share many. Uh, I actually worked very closely with him over many, many years, uh, not only because he was a crusading prosecutor, somebody deeply devoted to Israel, helped so much on the war on terrorism, was one of the first who who really responded when I went to him in the, in the early 90s and maybe even earlier about the threat of Islamic fundamentalism and of the terrorists coming to our shores and of them building an infrastructure. He um, it was involved with us on Soviet Jewry. He was uh, really a remarkable man. And um, I talked to him very frankly about the, 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 you know, his father's role in, in World War II and so many other things. Uh, but really uh, is so remarkable. I think he, his um, true contributions have been underplayed by the media. He's been out of office for, for years, but uh, he, he is, uh, I think history will record him very favorably. So he definitely gets some of the credit for how seriously New York's public officials take the threat of Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, of terrorism, yes. Of terrorism, there, right. Um, okay, let's go to some of the other news of the day. I, I, I'm having trouble understanding exactly what's happening with the British oil tanker. Is this is this tanker still under control of the Iranians? Yes, they, 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 the crews, I understand, have been freed. There were reports from the Indian government, from other governments, that the people, the crews have been freed. But the, as far as I know, as of now, the, the tanker still remains under control of the of the Iranians. And, you know, these are really incredible developments when you you think about it. Uh, It it was obviously a tit-for-tat for the seizure of the Iranian ship near Gibraltar, but that was done under, uh, because of a crime being committed and under EU law and sanctions. Here, you have uh, a situation where they were harassing ships in the Straits of Hormuz, something you know that we talked about and warned about, and the the threats that Iran made about this is um, it, you know were very clear and had to be taken seriously. There were other reports that they had a little boat with um, laden with explosives that they had floated in front of a British ship. That the they had the mines in on the little islands that are are around there. That the um, uh, they had threatened American ships, and, and American F-15s flew over and s- sent a warning, so they backed off. Uh, and now American um, planes and, and ships are, are escorting American tankers uh, through the straits, but it's a very narrow area at points, and it can be easily controlled. They have these little fast boats that can be suicide boats or, or attack vehicles. The um, So the, the outrage is so minimal compared to the seriousness of this provocation. And, and Iran, by the way, fired missiles yesterday, or overnight actually, into uh, uh, fired missiles, which is, was a warning, and it sort of echoes what happened in North Korea, where they fired it, and now are saying this was a warning to South Korea. Despite all the nice talk and the, the president's visit, et cetera, you see that their provocations and, and North Korea and Iran 
often work in tandem, certainly have synergistic relationships in the missile program and maybe the, and the nuclear program. You remember Syria was joint, uh, the, the nuclear plant there was a joint effort. We know that the missile program is based on a no-dong created by North Korea. So there's a, a lot of interrelationship. And you see that these provocations are continuing, and all of the talk about having talks with them, I'm all for resolving problems as easily and, and in a non-military way. But the message that the Iranians understand is strength. The sanctions are working. We thank God that, the, that they have put on and are increasing the sanctions both on individuals and on the regime. But when you see what they say, Iran is talking now about just in the last 24 hours – that they have uh, sleeper cells in, in the U.K. ready to act, uh, terrorist cells that they have deployed. And this is not just true there. It's true in many places. Um, and we know that uh, Iran was blazed, uh, blamed for some of the cyber attacks in the U.K. Uh, over, over years. Um, you, you see the provocative statements and actions that they take. And this is uh, – it, it really puts the marker down – if Britain can't take decisive action when one of its ships is, is seized, then it only encourages them to do other things, thinking that the West is, uh, can always be cowed into, quote, talks, into talking about uh, their willingness to redo the JCPOA when we see all along that they are advancing their nuclear and other military programs to support for terrorism and reminded of it when the commemorations this week of the AMIA bombing, that it was Iran and Iranian officials who were behind it and continue to be behind so many of the attacks that are going on. Now they busted a, a whole network that they try to create amongst Israeli Arabs and uh, Palestinians, and it was Iran directly that was recruiting and, uh, and the network, which was based in Syria, operated under Iranian leadership, uh, and uh, they uh, used fictitious Facebook pages and all sorts of means uh, to recruit. So their aggressiveness doesn't diminish. We should not be fooled by, again, by you know any kind of words of, of uh, their readiness to negotiate. There's no indication that they're ready to do anything uh, to either scale back their nuclear program or their missile program, and, and they just feel the pressure of the sanctions and are trying to alleviate that. Would the uh, tanker episode have happened if not for it being transition week in Great Britain with the new prime minister taking over? In fact, that could have been seen as a, as a reason not to do it because a government going out of power doesn't have to worry right. so much about what the reaction uh, would be, but uh, so I'm not sure that it was tied to that. It was tied more to the seizure of the right. of and, their boat and and the uh, fact that uh, Gibraltar was continuing to holding it hold, to hold it under British uh, rule. And how does the U.S. Uh, I mean the the reaction and and I, I mean you went through it and even you know even to the average guy like me who who who's up on the news it's it's unfathomable that the reaction as a, is as parv by Great Britain as it was this entire week, and that some of the headlines indicate that they're ready to, to, you know, to, to have negotiations while the tanker situation is being dealt with, you know, like that type of thing. You know, we're willing to, to restart or start talks with Iran 
while at the same time we have to deal with the tanker situation. It's, it seems absurd. Does the U.S. weigh in on any of this? Is President Trump or anybody either demanding or strongly suggesting to Great Britain and its leadership to deal with this differently? Well, I'm sure there are a lot of private exchanges about it, but it, nobody wants to see this escalate, and, and nobody wants a war right now. Not, not the president, not the Iranians certainly don't want it because they know that they'll be decimated. Um, but again, we, we, we're seeing the appeasement pro, uh, policy. It was a courageous move to take the ship, to seize the ship, which was going to Syria loaded with Iranian oil. But the... Um, uh, you know, the response to it again, and now we see that there are talks. There were certain individuals who met with Zarif when he was here, but the talks are really uh, very uh, widespread, both from people I spoke to in Iran and others who, who are concerned and believe that there are preliminary contacts being made. I don't think there are negotiations right now, but the Iranians only understand one language, and that is strength. And if they're really ready to make concessions and to move either to a new agreement or to change it, and even though all their statements right now are to the contrary, they're public statements, you know, and then they dismiss it and say, well, it's for domestic consumption. No, what they say is what they mean, and they act on, on what they say. What was the U.S. reaction to the... Uh... Uh, to the public, uh, the, the publicly uh, mentioned desire by Iran to get into negotiations, and I shouldn't say negotiations, discussions with the United States? Well, they said that President Trump has said always that he's open to negotiations. But you see by the launching of the missile, by how North Korea, that they play off of what genuine efforts to try to resolve problems by exploiting that, and the and in the case of the British seizure, the president said, "Look, that's Britain's issue. They got to to deal with it." Uh, obviously, America's presence there has been bolstered, and and um, uh, now there is a, an effort to create a European-led naval mission to ensure the safe shipping through the Straits of Hormuz, uh, rather than. I think, and, and America took down uh, a drone or two. We don't know for sure if the second one was taken down. The Iranians deny uh, that that's uh, that, that that was the case. So it isn't that we're being passive. It's it's a better response, and and the fact that we've built it up, uh, the capacity in the Straits. Remember, 60% of the oil coming to the West goes through the Straits of Hormuz, and they can easily choke it there. And the other entrance, the narrow point, which is Bab al-Mandab off the coast of Yemen, we see that the Houthis are continuing literally every single day attacks against Saudi Arabia because Iran wants to see Saudi Arabia tied up. UAE is pulling out of it because they, they don't see any reason uh, to continue. But the, the Saudis aren't given a choice when literally every day there are drone attacks and other attacks against uh, on Saudi soil by, uh, by the Houthis. And the Iranians want to keep uh, this hot and uh, the Saudis uh, in, involved or, or embarrassed by uh, if they would pull out while the attacks are ongoing. So Iran is continuing all of its nefarious activities. And, you know, it's a question of what is the message that we're given. We gave them a powerful message with the sanctions. And the administration has to be commended, the Treasury Department, other State Department, all those who were involved, they're working. And we shouldn't undermine it by sending mixed signals because they only exploit it. And 
we see the uh, the Iranian uh, activities, the aggressiveness, the is is never diminished, despite any kind of uh, nicer words or open words to saying that they're ready to negotiate. They're ready to negotiate. They know the conditions that they can create that would make it possible. But if nobody's willing to speak their language, as like you put it, if both the U.S. and Great Britain, at least in this case, is not willing to speak their language, then it, it, it's just not it, it's not going to help. I mean, I understand the president of the United States, you know, would prefer that there be no confrontations and that, you know, uh, it, and we don't want escalation, as you put it. But I mean, at, at some point, at some point, they just, you know, enough is enough. Isn't somebody going to, to make that determination? The determination may have been made, but the question is what actions and whether and that we not send uh, mixed signals. Yeah. You know, I saw that the Bahraini foreign minister uh, issued a statement saying that if um, if it wasn't for Iran uh, being present and their support for Hamas and uh, the jihadis that took control over Gaza, uh, he said we would have been much closer to achieving a better peace between Palestinians and Israelis. So if you have people issuing some courageous statements because they could potentially suffer the consequences, you know, Bahrain right. is, is a little entity that uh, certainly there could be a backlash because they understand that Iran has to be confronted. You cannot um, deal with them as if they're a democracy and, and the regime is, you know, one that, that um, what, what it says is what it does. They play these duplicitous games and always have, and they ran circles around the negotiators in the JCPOA uh, agreement, and they're continuing to do it. And, and you know, I, I, we don't even have time to document all the stuff they're doing, including now smuggling weapons to, to Hezbollah in Lebanon from the sea. And they are so determined to get these weapons through, and Israel has been more successful in blocking and taking them out and hitting warehouses as they did again this week but wasn't in that, Syria. Wasn't that port always used for Hezbollah weapons? No, they, they, most of the weapons were shipped over land, uh-huh. and uh, and also Israel monitors and can see when a ship is coming in and out. But they they, they are so hell-bent on it, and and by the way, we're seeing new activities in Africa, and there are reports of, you know, Hezbollah's activities in South America, which got the focus this week because of the uh, anniversary of the Amiya uh, bombing, which Hezbollah was responsible for, The uh, and no one has been brought to justice for it, and we know the names of the Iranian leaders, Valyati, um, uh, Rasmanjani, and, and the seven others who, of whom there are red cards at Interpol, and not one has been arrested, even though they've traveled abroad and gone to other countries, at least 20 countries that we know of, and the, the um, you know, the message is very clear for when they can get away with it. The U.S. issued warnings about dealing with the Iranian airline when they continue to put the pressure on on the economic pressure, and, and that is really working, and they we deserve um, um, they deserve credit. So Rouhani can say we're going to, we're ready to negotiate, but we're not ready to surrender. And if that's what it means, and we're not we're not interested, they keep setting the conditions as if they're the ones in control. And they have to understand. And and it's most important to me is that the message we send to the Iranian people that they have to know that the West is ready to stand up. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the Nahum Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved 
NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. All right, we'll do, I mean, we got to get to the Israeli politics, which we will, but let's start with the BDS here in the United States. So the um, the Congress of the United States, or the House, I should say, uh, came out in a very strong fashion um, against uh, a BDS, um, against, uh, against those who boycott Israel and the concept of boycotting Israel. Now, I was under the impression, based on the news of the last couple of weeks, that some of the Congress uh, mem- members of the United States House of Representatives were bringing a resolution to the floor of the House the opposite way, encouraging um, and, 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 uh, and, and voting for the right to boycott Israel if necessary or if, if, if uh, desired. Now, did that ever happen? Yes. And what was that vote? No, there has very little support. The vote in the, on the major bill was 398 to 17, but remember, it's, it's a resolution, and, um, and the, the um, uh, I think it was 90% of the Republicans and over 75% of Democrats voted for it. So when you have 398 in, in favor and you have 435 members, so there are 37 uh, members who didn't, only 17 voted against a lot, were absent a lot, uh, didn't show up for it. Again, it's not a law, it's a resolution. Um, and it's not, it doesn't go as far as the Senate bill that was passed earlier this year that would allow uh, state and local governments to refuse to do business with companies that boycott Israel. But it's a clear expression of opposition to the BDS movement and to the efforts of a small handful to undermine it and to, um, uh, and and the argument was used that it undermines the possibility of a negotiated solution and other things that that enhanced the the base uh, of of support for it. But the um, uh, it was a clear repudiation. And the other uh, measure, uh, and the only thing surprising in the other measure was that John Lewis had joined as a co-sponsor, but he issued a statement saying yesterday that he was only commenting on the, I mean, his support was only because he felt that people should have a right to boycott or to do whatever because of the civil rights movement, of which he was a leader, right. uh, but that he voted for the other resolution because he rejects BDS and he supports Israel, uh, which was, uh, you know, at least a clarifying statement. Uh, but they, of course, you know, t- touted the fact that he had joined their intent being an anti-Israel measure, his intent being a, a civil rights uh, ex- uh, expression. Um, <clears throat> but overall, it's a clear uh, indication of, of where Congress stands and a bipartisan basis, not something that doesn't happen uh, that often. And I'm sure he knew the impact that his decision and his vote would have, even with the, uh, you know, even, even with making up for it. You mean John Lewis? Yeah, even with making up for it by. I'm not 100% sure. No? I mean, the way the media treats him, you think he's Martin Luther King and that he has, you know. Well, like, he, he, you know, he had a historic role. I'm and, saying. Uh, so but, so, so uh, you, you don't think he realized. I, I don't want to go beyond that to say that I'm not sure. Hmm, all right. Uh, meanwhile, Israel will allow two congresswomen who support BDS to enter the country for a visit next month. The ambassador to the U.S., Ron Dermer, said last week that Representative uh, Elon Omar from Minnesota and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan will be permitted entry. Was there ever a serious consideration that they be kept out of Israel? Well, the prime minister said that he was going to consider it. Um, I think that this was the right decision, that it would have been 
You would have made martyrs and heroes out of them. You would have forced members of Congress who do not support them to come out and say that they shouldn't be barred, that a member of Congress should be able to go. And Israel has nothing to hide. Let them come. Let them see whatever they want. They will, will they try to exploit it? I have no doubt that that's their modus. But they would have exploited the refusal to let them in even more. So we can anticipate, you know, that they will try to exploit the situation. Israeli leaders won't meet them and won't, I'm sure, you know, won't go beyond what they're required to do. Um, But uh, not to have done so would have meant that we would have had an endless campaign and an endless uh, portrayal that Israel is trying to hide things, that Israel, you know, won't let members of Congress who are critical uh, to come in. Other critical people, Rand Paul, others visit Israel and... um, um, you know, the, it's a better to show that Israel is open, available, and that we should make sure to to be able to get our message uh, out. Although, of course, you know, the media just uh, glorifies them and and uh, focuses on them and um, highlights their their activities. Even though, if you really drill down, you see that they know very little. That that a lot of this is is not serious uh, policy. Do you think that uh, one can legitimately say that the two of them in Minnesota and Michigan represent districts that are generally anti-Israel? No, I think that uh, both are going to face problems. Those two will face problems, uh, Michigan and and, uh, Minnesota, because the polls show that a lot of their people, their constituents, are not supportive. The case of of Michigan, it was there were five, I think, uh, African Americans running, and this was a fluke election. I think she's going to have a tough re-election. Many, even in the Somali community, have expressed in Minnesota uh, concern that she's too busy you know, playing on the international scene and not really representing the people in the district. Um, but that was a seat held by Keith Ellison. So, yes, there is a predilection clearly in, in that uh, district. But the hypocrisy of, of the people, you know, there, there was um, a Palestinian journalist wrote a piece uh, describing how Hamas take children in buses to protest against Israel at the Gaza border. This is in the Jerusalem Post for those who didn't see it. They bring children and encourage them to do whatever they can to get close to the fence. And he says they exploit this to claim that Israel is killing their children when Hamas's leadership are responsible for the deaths. Uh, you don't hear one word of condemnation. You don't hear anything coming from any of them. And I don't like the terms that are used to describe them. I think it only makes them sound more uh, like squad, et cetera, uh, sound more important or more attractive. Um we should not talk about them, and I don't. I try to avoid using the names because that only builds them up. They want the attention. Put the attention on the people who are doing good stuff, who are really fighting battles every day, who are uh, courageous, and that applies whether it's in academia or in entertainment. Those who, who reject the boycott and the boycotts and the pressure that Pink Floyd and others put on them, um, and, and not on, on these people because you can see their hypocrisy. You can see that that they, they, they don't know what they're talking about often, but they, that they will never come out in condemnation of these other things. Look what's happening in Lebanon. Palestinians till today are, are denied access to professions. People have been living there for 60 years, right, 70 years. Um, and um, and now there, there were new laws being introduced against foreign workers. So the Palestinians in the camp, some who had come from Syria, um, are, are demonstrating, and they talk about a new intifada in Lebanon, uh, within Lebanon, you don't hear 
they're really concerned about them. Why aren't they talking about these issues? Because yep. that's not the goal. That's not their uh, priority, that's for sure. Um, but by, by the way, speaking of Michigan, I saw you had in the Daily Alert this uh, Burger Room restaurant case. Um, I mean, the guy's a Lebanese American, and now and now he he's suffering because because the uh, roots of that uh, chain are in Israel, and for that reason alone, uh, you know, those who want to boycott Israel want to make sure he can't open his restaurant in Dearborn. Yeah, so it's been delayed. It hasn't he hasn't canceled it, but they, they before places even open, they're having boycotts and, and threats against it. And the money he's lost already, and, and uh, a lot of money that he lost. I mean, it's really an outrageous. Uh, uh, demonstration, and it should be illegal to be able to do that, to engage in, in that kind of boycott. That's why we passed the anti-BDS and anti-boycott legislation, the, the Arab League, etc., and why states' actions on this, 27 states have already adopted anti-BDS legislation, which really applies mostly to them. But I think that we can, I'm sure we could get interpretations and find legislation wording that doesn't restrict people's right to express themselves and freedom of speech, et cetera, but not to engage in such harmful practices against an innocent person who just wants to open up a burger stand. Unbelievable. By the way, uh, obviously I agree with your point about the uh, insane amount of publicity that these uh, members of Congress get, these specific members of Congress get, but as long as as long as the, uh, the the ones who set the agenda for pop culture, especially the late night talk show hosts, as long as they continue to give them this this platform and and make it as if they're the as if these government officials are the ones running the country and in some cases running the world, uh, or what they have to say is the most important thing of any government official in the world, it's going to be a very tough battle to uh, to fight. Also, CNN. Uh, what, what? How did they refer to the, now? This is an overwhelming vote. This BDS vote, right? You told us the numbers. That's a really overwhelming vote. But there was a headline that CNN published, which of course now I forgot. Uh, it, it was divided. I think there right, was a uh, right, vote right, right. Like that. Indicating that there was sort of like you know both sides had a pretty strong showing, right? <laughs> That's basically what they were trying to say. Yes, it said it was divisive. Three hundred ninety-eight right. to seventeen <laughs> is a divided vote. <laughs> I mean, it is truly outrageous. But it's it's a such a blatant example. As anybody who doesn't understand, when we talk about media bias, that that headline, which and nobody, ninety percent of people never get beyond the the headline, that they see that and don't understand the bias in CNN, which is also true in other uh, media. It, it just uh, um, you know, remarkable that the, that the, you don't see anything, uh, any kind of um, uh, responsibility being taken, and the kind of of uh, condemnation that this should arouse, to, just to highlight the fact of how blatant the miscoverage is and the distortion is. Hundred percent. Well, this emailer is correct. I haven't asked you my typical. A transition question about how the new prime minister of Great Britain is generally regarding Israel. He's great. Um, people liken him to Trump, but he, he has a, a long history of support for Israel, and uh, the cabinet members that are being appointed uh, generally considered favorable to Israel. Um, he, he's, he actually was, has been outspoken, and uh, there's a lot of people who anticipate an early visit to Israel uh, by him. Um, and it certainly stands in stark contrast with the leader of the Labor Party, Corbyn, whose anti-Semitism and anti-Semitism rampant in the Labor Party become more and more apparent, and still nothing, virtually nothing done to to counter it. All right, finally, you know what's left on the agenda, and that's Israeli politics. 
Uh, you know what I find funny, by the way? I don't know if you agree with this. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're singing about the, the right alliance, the left alliance, and you'll, we'll go through it in a second. But I find it funny that these smaller parties are now getting more attention and more poll numbers by the Israeli public. I would think after that first election of 2019, I would think people would gravitate more toward the larger parties knowing that their vote's going to now have a greater impact with the larger parties. Any surprise on your end on this? Uh, I think that uh, the, that when you look at the polls, I think the latest polls show we could 30 and blue and white 28, right. um, that uh, the small parties loom larger. Um, and with the, I mean, the talk of a unity government, now Netanyahu said no unity government, others uh, say there are talks that there would be a unity government with Gantz and, and blue and white would split up. Um, we see now that the likelihood is that there will be a united uh, right, um, that the new right will join the united right, and um, maybe with the Shaked as the head, and she's very popular. They, late, I think the polls would show that they're getting 15 seats, 16 seats, something like that. Um, and, uh, of course, the, the smaller parties, then their role gets magnified when well, you have to look at how they, they reach 61 votes. So the religious parties, if they have 15 seats and 16 seats of the new right is 31, with the Likud's 30 would make 61 so they could form a government. Nobody wants to see a situation where you come out with an indecisive outcome and then you have to go to a third election. Yeah, or something. that's why I just assumed that most of the Israeli public, knowing that, would 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 you know that a significant portion would move their votes from smaller to larger parties just to increase the possibility of actually forming a government. But I guess people don't think like that always. Uh, Israeli um, political thought is is um, usually impossible to predict, and every pollster <laughs> will tell you, as I've said many times, you know that they're known that Israelis tell the truth to the pollsters and lie at the polls, yeah. which is why their predictions never turn out to be to be right. And I think very few people two weeks ago, three weeks ago, would have seen um, uh, Bennett back and and, um, and to see Chaked maybe leading this uh, this new united uh, front. I think that it's it's, uh, it's it's very much in thrust. And remember, it's, it's still the summer vacation. People are not necessarily that focused. And we'll, by, you know, later on, uh, look much more seriously at it. And uh, Lieberman is coming out again saying that they won't join a right-wing government. And if it, it um, uh, and uh, what's happening with Barack, I think his party is imploding even more. It didn't cross the threshold, but, you know, with his tie to Epstein and other things that are, are exploited, even though nobody has shown that he did anything wrong yet, um, that the, um, uh, the fractionating of the, on the left the right, it's just the, the turmoil of Israeli politics, and it's it's attributable to the list system and to the co- need for coalitions as opposed to, let's say, a two-party system. But we see today that a two-party system can be pretty raucous as well. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that one of my favorite parts of the campaign is being in Israel when those campaign posters are up, and there were not enough up yet last week. I don't know what they're waiting for. Then, because remember, they just went through it and they had I know, these I know. huge posters <laughs> but, everywhere. But then, <laughs> and now they're doing a lot more on the internet. And I understand there's some very funny ads that have come out, and uh, for people don't follow it. But Israelis tell me all the time, you know, about the latest one, the latest uh, uh, 
uh, mocking uh, everybody, including Netanyahu. Um, and uh, we should note that he passed the record of Ben-Gurion oh, right. as the uh, longest-serving uh, prime minister. It's an important milestone. Uh, and uh, I think something he wanted to achieve. But his uh, So now he will uh, bypass him, and hardly likely that it will be replicated soon. Right. But then, thank God, last Thursday... I'm driving, we're driving in Yerushalayim, and I see an entire corner filled with campaign posters for Ehud Barak. So here's what you have. You have one that says, Medinat Netanyahu, O Medinat Israel," which I thought was hilarious. And then you have one that says, Shmor al-Hakisei, or Shmor al-Hamedinah, which basically means, <laughs> are we more concerned with, with watching the seat of government, you know, meaning his own seat, the prime minister, or actually... Uh, supervising the Medina, the the state. Uh, then you have here um, Netanyahu me al hakol o hachok me al hakol. You know, Netanyahu the priority, and all this is Barack. And a week later, the guy's number ten on the left wing list. <laughs> He's not even going to come close to, to to being in the member of government this time around. <sighs> and the chutzpah that he had is to say that he's not going to give up his cannabis business involvement and other activities if he gets elected. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's just it's just hilarious. And there were a couple other candidates that also have posters up, but I didn't see Netanyahu posters up yet. I was hoping. As I said, I think he's there. They're running, uh, and and they, you don't want to do two th- things too early. He's also doing a lot of get tired of it. He's doing a lot of Facebook Live. He does a lot of Facebook websites to the internet because it's a vehicle, and it's a very powerful. That that is the influencer. It's probably more important than the newspaper ads and. Right. Um, um, I think that uh, you know he he he's always been very clever in his use of the of social media. You think any other countries are going to be interfering with the Israeli election? Well, absolutely. Well, we know the Russians and others have hacked into the because uh, you know that could be into, very that could be a very bad system, thing. But they do it everywhere. So it whoa, so whoa, 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 whoa! Changed how people vote. Whoa, whoa! Don't say we're doing it everywhere. I watched the uh, the hearings this week. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's true. Half the people on that stage said they don't do it here. <laughs> well, it depends what you mean they're doing it here, whether they are infiltrating into the internet systems globally. Right. A lot of countries are doing it, and the Russians are, are far advanced. And, um, you know, when you look at, for instance, a lot of the anti-Semitic websites, they trace to Ukrainian addresses, to Iranians, to others. People manipulate the, the internet. It is a powerful vehicle. Um you know, when you think about the fact that there are two and a half billion Gen Xers in the or Zs in the world, and millennials, uh, who are a, a a universe of people that are living off the thing, they don't even know what a newspaper is. It's uh, many of them don't know what a radio is today. That the um, you know the impact of of the social media is is very great. It's unbelievable. Different world. Completely different world. All right, Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Pinchas, outside of Israel. In Israel, it's Parshas Matos. Candlelighting at 7.57. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Friday. A week from today, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Friday. By the way, I love the fact that we have uh, an NSN app and that that app very often is used for 
really solid information, not just, I mean, I like when people check in. I like when people say good morning. I like when people have requests, but sometimes you get some real, real amazing things. Listener, um, listener, well, it says here, listener, fix it fast, says, good morning, Nahum. Listening from Montefiore Hospital, recovering from giving a kidney to someone I never met and don't know. Thank you for the entertainment. Please dive in for complete recovery. For Toba Rifka Bas Vital Nachama, Toba Rifka Bas Vital Nachama, and Aryeh Leib Ben Tsipora. Aryeh Leib Ben Tsipora. How unbelievable is that? Thank you for sharing that with us. And listener Devorah, in fact, says Yashakach that a kidney donor and Rafur Shlema to you both. And then uh, Yael and Aaron and their children checked in. Nachum, we are really enjoying the music, getting us in the mood for Shabbos as we drive around. In Tbilisi, Georgia. Now, why they're in Tbilisi, I don't know. Next time I speak with Yael and Aaron, I will ask them. But they're in Tbilisi, Georgia. The country, not the state. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We assumed it was the country. Uh, You really do have listeners all over the world. Regards to you and Miriam and the whole NSN team. Yael, Aaron, and the kids. Unbelievable. So thank you. Yes, we're international. We know we're international, but boy, that, that is some direct international communique on the NSN app. This time each and every uh, Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Pinchas, according to the Chinuch Parshas. Pinchas contains six mitzvos asay six positive mitzvos the first one that is the laws of nachala inheritance and after that the laws and the mitzvos connected with korbanos including the korban tomit the daily offering a week ago this past sunday we observed shavasa betamuz and one of the five factors of our fasting was Batel HaTomid. The daily Korban Tomid was ceased, stopped being brought. And now, in this week's parsha, we are promised that there will be that third Pesach Migdash and that there will be the restoration of the Tomid. So it's not by chance that we read Parshas Pinchas in the three weeks in Eretz Yisrael. They read it on the Shabbos right before Shavasar. For us, it is the first Shabbos of the three weeks. And I want to tell you that there is so much idud, there's so much encouragement an uplifting of Klai Yisrael in this week's parsha, including if you look in the Orachayim HaKadosh when the Torah lists the uh, Shvatim and the uh, counting of them and how many there were so this is in Perik Chavvav you'll take a look in the Orachayim HaKadosh 
in Pasuk Yutes 19 on Bnei Yehuda. So he says, this is not simply, now remember, there is Pshat, Remez, Drash, and Sod. There is four different ways of understanding Torah. So this is not the literal understanding of the text. This is Remez, the hints of the Torah, Sod, the secrets of the Torah. And that is that when it talks about B'nai Yehuda, we talk about, as you'll see, he brings down the destruction of the first two Batei Mikdash, and that's Erba Onan, and there's going to be, once again, that third base Hamigdash, Shelah. Take a look. When he talks about B'nai Yisachar in Pesach of Gimel, the Orachayim HaKadosh again talks about what's Yisachar? Yesh Schar. There is reward. The special reward for the Tamidei Chachamim that quote-unquote we had and once again will have in the, please God, Sanhedrin that will be restored. And therefore, I'd like to focus this morning on a very interesting concept, one that to a great extent is something which is metaphysical, but it's so much a part of us. And that is the concept that Pinchas Zu Eliyahu. Pinchas was literally the given, as I'll share with you in a moment, one the first source, Targum Yonason ben Uziel, that on the Pasuk, Pahoyisolo, literally, uh, um, excuse me, Lachenemor, Pasuk Yud Beis, the very beginning of the Parsha, Hinanino Sein Lo Esprisi Shalom, says Targum Yonason ben Uziel. And this is the second half of the Pasuk, and I quote, the Abdine, I will make him Malach Kiam, a eternal angel. Viache la Alma, he will live forever. Mevasra Geulta, to proclaim and to herald the redemption, the end of the exile, the future Geula Bisofiomaya at the end of the days. And I read to you from the Yalkut Shimoni at the beginning of Parshas Pinchas, Amar, Rabbi Shimon ben Lokish, Pinchas, who Eliyahu. Pinchas is Eliyahu. And Amalei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God said to Pinchas, Atonasato Shalom, you have literally created peace. Between the Jewish people and myself in this world, af so too in the future. shalom. You are the one that's going to bring peace. Bini Luvain Bonai 
between me and the Jewish people, Shene'emar, and he quotes the Pasuk from the end of Malachi, I am going to send the Navi Malachi, the last Navi that we had promised us, I'm going to send Elio Anavi, Lifnebo Yom Hashem, before the coming of the day of Hashem, Now, I want to make sure that I get to it right away, and I want to uh, recommend Rabbi Baruch Simon Shlita, his Sefer on Bamidbar, and his second Dvar Torah on Parshas Pinchas, literally where he talks about Eliyahu and the return of the Sanhedrin, some very beautiful gems and I'd like to share some of this with you um, so that you can appreciate it this Shabbos and something which I hope you're going to be able to appreciate this coming Motsoi Shabbos and each and every one henceforth. Let's go right to the gut. Before we make Havdalah, I'm sure my home is not the only one. I hope you do as well. Whether you say it and especially sing it so that we keep Shabbos that moment longer. Eliyahu Hanavi. So Eliyahu is literally proclaimed as a Navi, the prophet. Eliyahu Atishbi and Eliyahu HaGil-Odi. Now what do these three different terms mean? So <coughs> let me begin to share with you. The first one, the Eliyahu Navi, that is very clear. He is going to herald the coming of Moshiach. And as Rashi and Tosvos both point out in the Gemara Erevin, Mem Gimel Amebeis, Sheba, he's coming Levaseir Hagula. He's going to herald the please God future redemption. And this is coming out of his being a prophet. Secondly, we find the following. What does it mean, Veheshev Lev Avos Albanim? He's going to restore literally the hearts of fathers and children and children and fathers and Rashi explains the father is not only fathers and sons but we're talking about our father in heaven he is going to literally um, bring about tshuva a return to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. so he is called Tishbi from the concept of tshuva that Elio is going to arouse tshuva within the Jewish people. And finally, he's called Elio Hagil Odi. Why? Because he was a member of the Sanhedrin, and as he was a member of the Sanhedrin, please God, in the future, he is going to bring about once again, the Sanhedrin. Now, how important is this that Eliyahu Novi is going to uh, bring back the Sanhedrin? 
So I'd like to share with you the very powerful teaching of the Briska Rav in his parish on the Torah, who says the following. In explaining that famous pasuk of Kisif Kohen Yishmuru Das Besora Yivakshu Mipiu, he says the following, that unfortunately at the time of uh, the Churban, when the Sanhedrin was uh, disbanded, we there was a break in the tradition. Now, unfortunately, there was no one to perpetuate this Mesorah which we had, and that's why after the Sanhedrin was disbanded, only then was there Machlokes in Yisrael. The fact that Eliyoh Navi was a part of the Sanhedrin, and Eliyoh Navi is alive and kicking, ah, this means that our holy Mesorah has not been interrupted. And that's why, interestingly, my friends, we find that oftentimes when the Talmud says that we have reached a point where of great uncertainty and we just don't know how to resolve it, the Gemara concludes with teku understood by our rabbis to mean tishbi yitares kushios v'abayos, that Eliyoh Anavi is going to be the one to resolve this. Wait a second, why Eliyoh Anavi? We believe in Tchiyas HaMesim, why not say that Moshe Rabbeinu in the... No, the answer is that the Mesorah has to come from a living person. There has to be that continuation of Ishmi Pi Ish. And guess what? Our Torah is a Torah Shayim. The Torah is alive. Eliyoh Navi is alive and he is the one who has this Mesorah and he is the one that once again is going to bring back this Mesorah. He is going to, please God, uh, bring back the Sanhedrin. And that's why the Rambam in his uh, commentary on his Pirish Mishnayis in chapter 1 of Sanhedrin Mishnah Gimel writes, Ein ben David ba, Mashiach is only going to come when Sanhedrin Chosrim, when the Sanhedrin is returned. Why? Because the primary Hashros, Hashchina, God's presence, is through the Sanhedrin. Now, interestingly, we live in the United States, and the United States prides itself that there is a separation of church and state. And we as Jewish people say and believe just the opposite. Not only is Torah a theocracy, but where did the Sanhedrin meet? It met in the Lishkas HaGazas, which you can say was part of the Beis HaMikdash complex. Why? Because these 71 judges were not just brilliant Talmidei Chachamim, but they had an extra factor going in their favor. Namely, they were positively influenced by the Shekhinah from the 
Beis Hamikdash. And so we pride ourselves that there is that merging of the two, of the uh, Beis Hamikdash and the Sanhedrin. And indeed, what do we find in Tilim Kuf Chav Beis when David Amelech extols Somachti Ba'umrim Li Beis Hashem Neilech that I'm going to Beis Hashem and he speaks about the greatness of Yerushalayim and what does he say in Pasuk 5 Kuf Chav Beis Ki Shoma Yashvu Kisos Lemishpat Kisos Lebeis David there there's going to be there there was the Sanhedrin, and there there's going to be the Sanhedrin in the future, a forerunner for based of it. And finally, what do we find in the Mishnah in chapter 9 of Sota, Mishnah 11? Says the Mishnah, Mishnah Butler Sanhedrin, Forty years before the destruction of the second base on Migdash, when the Sanhedrin was disbanded, at that time there they said, okay, no more singing, whether you had wine in the places of gathering and parties, etc. Why? Already, once the Sanhedrin is gone, there is the beginning of the end of the Beis HaMikdosh. And just as we are now in the period of the three weeks, no music for us, so too then, when there was no Sanhedrin, no more music. We live today in a time in Eretz Yisrael to look today how there is no government in place, there is much disarray in every area. Why? Because we don't yet have that Sanhedrin. And therefore, when we dive in every day in our Shemona Esrei, Hoshiva Shoftinu Kivarishona, the 11th bracha in the Shemona Esrei, understand that what we are praying for is the restoration of the Sanhedrin. We're praying for Emir Hashem very quickly, Sheyabonah, because they are inextricably bound together. And therefore, I pray that our tefillos, that our preparation for uh, Havdolah, that our beginning each and every week with the yearning for uh, Elio is not simply, as we're all familiar, to herald the Geula, how important that is, but Elio HaTishbi, He's going to arouse tshuva. And Elio Giladi, he's going to restore, please God, law and order and unity in the Jewish people, please God, very soon in our day. Shabbat Shalom to all. Yeah.
Shay, 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 Shay,
J.M. in the A.M. Yehuda Solomon, brother of Nachman Solomon, who spent Wednesday with us uh, during J.M. in the A.M. You'll recall last week in Israel, which was pretty pretty amazing. That was a great show. Uh, Vishamru, of course, the Kalbach Vishamru at J.M. in the A.M. Before that, uh, 6.13 with Lachad Odi. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. Candle lighting 757 in New York. Rosh Chodesh is next Friday, so we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Uh, we're at Hask on Sunday. Sunday starting at 10 a.m. We're at Camp Hask. Join us for Hask Experience Day. The whole community is invited up in Parksville, New York. We'll do that show, or that show will air Monday between 6 and 9 a.m. So keep that in mind for Monday morning. 6 o'clock Monday morning, a three-hour show from Hask that we will record 
on a Sunday. Matis has JM Sunday live between 7 and 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Of course, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night. Full day here, as you would suspect. Encore presentation of Table for Two coming up. And then uh, an amazing day of Erev Shabbos selections, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Mazel Tov to uh, Harry Rothenberg and family on the engagement of their daughter, plus a big yeshikach to Harry for what he did at the Bialystoker Synagogue this past Sunday on Shavasar Batamas, an amazing lecture. Um, and plus, the video blog of Harry Rothenberg comes up at 1 p.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. More coming up now. Here's Curry Bone from Bitachon. Curry Bone here at JM in the AM. Well, it is time to say good Shabbos. 
journeys on this era of Shabbos at JM and the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. 
Around the world on the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a great Friday here at JM&M. I thanks all of you for tuning in. Have a wonderful weekend. Sunday, we're up at Camp Hask. Come join us for the Hask experience between 10 and 2 p.m. We're going to broadcast between 10 and 1, and that will be the Monday morning JM in the AM that we are already looking forward to. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel, or till Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.